Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, December the 15th, 2022. It is currently 6.03 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, I know it's been, it feels like it's been six months. It feels like it's been a year. I, I, I would have to look. In fact, I will look. I will look. Just because I don't want to give you wrong information. Uh, st- this started in around November the 23rd. Somewhere around November the 23rd, 22nd, 21. Somewhere in, in November, we started talking about this concept of the presence of God. And it all started because of a a podcast episode from the ministry of the late Adrian Rogers. It's really just his edited sermons. They they air on Christian radio and they obviously uh, show up in a podcast feed uh, for Love Worth Finding, I think is the name of the podcast and the name of the radio program. And there are again, edited sermons of the late pastor Adrian Rogers. And he was using a passage in the book of Exodus, and it was a really bizarre sermon. We reviewed the entire thing. It was weird. It was confusing. But basically, see, Moses was in the presence of God. He had the presence of God. And then he lost the presence of God. And then he hid the fact that he lost it from everyone else. But here's how we get the presence of God back in case we lose it. And he didn't really tell us how to get it back. It was it was just really, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I don't have time to go back through it, but it was absolutely crazy. And while we were reviewing that, those, I think it was two podcast episodes, basically one sermon broken into two podcast episodes, right in the middle of reviewing that, the Christian Post posts an article entitled, if I can find it here, Five Things That Hinder the Presence of God. Five things that hindered the presence of God. We did one episode where we we reviewed their intro, which led us to a book by Andrew Murray. Then we did an episode where we, we looked at like the introduction of that book by Andrew Murray on absolute surrender. So that was interesting. And then we and, and then we started looking at their five things that hinder the presence of Christ or the presence of God. They call it the presence of Christ in the article, but five things that hinder it. So this is the best we can figure out that within Christianity, and I think this will be somewhat fair to say, or at least this is what we've heard and a roundabout way from the late uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers and from this article from the Christian Post. It seems that, that when you start talking to Christians about this idea of the presence of God or the presence of Christ, you get kind of a very convoluted way of thinking. It goes something like this. All right. Uh, in one way, God is obviously present everywhere at all times because he's om- omnipresent. He's present everywhere at all times. So on one, in one way, God is always present. But then there is the indwelling presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. So he indwells us. So in one way, he's always present because he's omnipresent. And for every believer, he's present in a special way because he indwells us. So he's he, we, we have his omnipresence, and then we have his indwelling presence. But there seems to be a third presence. 
that Christians talk about. Oh, do you feel it? To feel the presence of God in this room? Do you feel the presence of God in the worship service? I feel that God is present tonight and he's doing this. You hear this in preaching and in church services all the time, that now there's a, a third kind of presence. You have his omnipresence, we have his indwelling presence, but then we have a third presence somehow. He's he's here. I mean, he's always here, but he's here in a special way. We'll call this a special presence, Right. And so that, and, and we all, and we supposedly all want that and need that. And, and it's so important. Now it's, it's, it's hard to really judge or quantify or even qualify what this supposedly is because every time I have ever heard people talk about it, it's always associated with, I don't know, maybe singing the, the lights of the sanctuary being turned down or, or something and preaching to get everyone emotional. It, it's always connected with an emotion with feelings. And it almost feels like that those emotions and feelings are manipulated. And then once they're being manipulated, then it's like, don't you feel that? It's the presence of God. Now, this presence is different than his omnipresence. And this present is, presence is different than his indwelling presence. It's a special presence. And we need this special presence. We, we don't want to lose it. We, it. It's critical to the Christian life. But according to the Christian Post, and according to the podcast episode from Dr. Adrian Rogers, we can lose this special presence. We can lose it. And then we have to get it back. And we don't want to lose it because with this presence seems to come power. I I don't know. It's like you need a chart to try to chart out exactly how the Christian life works, depending on which sermon you're listening to, because sometimes it just seems so convoluted and crazy. So we're going to go back. I'm going to read the intro one more time of this article, just because it's been a while. I'm going to remind you of what the first hindrance to God's presence is, and then we will at least look at the second one tonight, because we definitely need to finish this series, and I would like to get this series finished relatively soon, because I want to finish up as many series as possible before we get to the end of 2022 and begin 2023, where we can just see where 2023 is going to take us. So, and I do apologize for um, all of the, uh, we haven't been able to do the Today's Focus podcast uh, episode today. There's been all kinds of internet problems. So we are just trying to get by doing anything that we can while we can. And uh, we're hoping to have all of those problems fixed as soon as possible. But right now we have an opportunity. So let's, let's work on this series. Are you ready? There's so much to the, and and you may think, well, what difference does any of it make? Well, it makes all kinds of difference, right? Because in the, for the average Christian trying to figure out what, okay, all right. So in my Christian life, the presence of God is important. All right. So now how do I, I, he's omnipresent. He's in, there's the indwelling presence, but there's a special presence. And it seems like the special presence is when there is power, when there is healing, when there's, when the special presence is what really is what we should really strive for because that's where the action occurs almost. I'm, 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 I'm kind of adding words to this, but it's, this is, and so I think that this can lead Christians to lots of confusion and we've got to try to figure this out. So let's see what the Christian post does here and we'll offer our critique. All right. So this was posted on November the 25th, November the 25th, because I think we started our reviewing of those sermons on like November the 23rd. And so this was like right in the middle of that entire time period, somewhere around that time period. All right, here we go. Their their intro begins this way. Most believers understand that God is everywhere, 
But the Bible is also clear that the power and presence of Christ can fill the heart of the believer who completely surrenders to him. Now, please note, this is an indwelling presence that seems to be different than the normal indwelling presence. So they kind of add a new, a new layer to this. We have the omnipresence. We have the indwelling presence. Now, this is a special indwelling presence that only fills the heart of people who completely surrender to him. Now, that literally is coming out of absolutely absolute surrender by Andrew Murray, which that problem is, that book is so problematic. But so we have, so I've got to try to keep this all straight. We, again, we, I, you think I'm be, I'm joking, but I am, I'm literally trying to keep stating this over and over and over to show you how, convolu- how convoluted it is. But here's what I want you to hear here. You've got to listen to me. In preaching and teaching and in the life of the church, there are so many of these phrases, these ideas, these concepts that basically become cliches and we just throw them out. We throw them out in one sermon. We'll throw out another concept in another sermon. We throw out another concept in another sermon and no one is ever in a sense keeping track of all of it, right? Because you're like, wait a minute. This, this, this doesn't work. There's no continuity here. There's a breakdown here. We need a continuity, a continuity director, right? To make sure there's continuity in between these ideas that they fit together, that they flow because literally you'll be like, well, wait a minute. So you said, this is how it works, but now you're saying this is how it works. And then you're saying, this is how it works. And if I put all the concepts together, it doesn't make any sense, I need a continuity director to make sure that there is some kind of continuity between these ideas. And nobody, and you know why nobody ever raises their hands? I hate to say this because people just listen to the sermon, experience that sermon, and for the most part, forget that sermon. So when the next sermon is said where some concept is thrown out, nobody, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a disconnect. That makes no sense. So let's try to follow now how this is supposed to all work. So, If you take the basic idea within Christianity, this is how it works. You have God's omnipresence. You have God's indwelling presence for Christians. You have a special presence that fills the room, fills a worship service. It it shows up in a revival service where it, it just, it's some kind of special presence. And now we have a basically a different level an indwelling presence an indwelling presence, but it's only there for those who completely surrender to God. You don't get this presence unless you completely surrender. If you don't completely surrender, you don't have it. And you can lose it whenever you're no longer absolutely surrendered, which is the most crazy thing I've ever heard in my life. And this is what they say about this. His presence changes everything. So it's no secret why the enemy of the soul wants to hinder his presence and power in our life. See, now, if you'll get this special presence, now, you've got to surrender absolutely to get it. But once you get it, dun, 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 everything changes. You now have power. Everything's wonderful. But so, so I don't know. There's, there's the, spe- so what do we call this? We'll call this, we'll call this. We almost need to keep a chart. Okay. Someone should be writing all of this down. We have the omnipresence. We have the indwelling presence. Uh, We have the special presence. And then we'll have the, we'll call this the presence of surrender. 
This is a this is a presence that shows up only for those who are absolutely surrendered. The presence of surrender. I don't know how these all supposed to fit together, but you can tell, at least according to this article, what, what which one do you want? You want the absolute surrender one because that's the one that changes everything. That's where you get power. Now, if you listen to other sermons, no, 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 no. You, you get this power from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which everyone gets in salvation. So I don't know. I don't know now where the power supposedly comes from. I don't know. I, according to this, I don't really get their life-changing power until I absolutely surrender. Then if I absolutely surrender, then I get the power. But wouldn't you need the power to be able to absolutely surrender? Or is this saying that I can absolutely surrender without the power? And once I absolutely surrender, then I get the power. But why do I need the power after I've absolutely surrendered? I don't know. I can't keep track of all of this because it's insane. But let's let's go through these, all right? Here are the five things that will hinder the presence of Christ. Now, which presence does it hinder? Well, I'm assuming it doesn't hinder the omnipresence. I'm assuming it doesn't hinder the indwelling presence. I guess it could hinder the, the, the special presence, and I guess it could hinder the... The surrendered presence, okay? I, I, I don't, so you can hinder some of it. I don't know, but here we go. The first one was secret sin hinders his presence. I'm not going to go back and review all of that. We had all kinds of issues with everything it said there. It was crazy. But supposedly secret sin can hinder the presence, right? Now, here comes number two. All right, here we go. The fullness of the flesh hinders his presence. The fullness of the flesh hinders his presence. I don't know exactly how this works. Okay. The fullness of the flesh. We're going to have to let them explain this. I've got, I've got a million questions here, right? So wait, when, when do I not have the fullness of the flesh? Right? Is it my flesh always present? And is it always, act? okay, I don't know. Let's see what they're going to say here. Now, Oh boy, here we go. All right. The fullness of the flesh hinders his presence. And immediately they want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Oh boy. I, I've got I got problems. I've I'm worried here. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or God and money, or God and material things, material wealth, whatever, however you want to understand that. So now immediately I'm getting nervous because this seems to say that, hey, if I if I love material things or money or anything else other than God, well, then clearly I hinder the presence of God. So I always have to love God. So meaning most likely if we're honest with ourselves, because no one truly loves God with all their heart, mind, body, and soul, our, our love to God is constantly corrupted, called into question, challenged, we're constantly conflicted. We're constantly placing our love on other things. That's the reality of our life. And if you say otherwise, you're just denying, you're denying reality. But let's see what they have to say. 
They say no one can serve two masters. No, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. It is impossible to be full of the world and full of Christ. We can't be consumed with worldly pursuits as our main focused as our as our main focus and be consumed with pursuing Christ. One or the other will prevail. So here's the thing: you're going to hinder the presence of God, and you cannot be, um, as he says. You can't, uh, I thought thought they they said something about the presence here, but okay, they don't mention the presence yet here, but here's the way it can work. You either are going to be consumed with pursuing God, or you're going to be consumed with with being, or focusing on worldly pursuits. Your focus is going to be on worldly pursuits or pursuing Christ. It cannot, it's one or the other. And obviously, if it's worldly pursuits, then you've hindered the presence of God. Now, which presence? Obviously, this special, special presence, the surrendered presence, because obviously, if you're pursuing worldly pursuits, you haven't absolutely surrendered. But I would like any Christian to just be halfway honest with themselves and look at your life. You're constantly pursuing worldly things. You're constantly showing your affection and your love and your desire for worldly things. Any denial of that would just be absolutely ridiculous. So meaning... Then has everyone hindered the presence of Christ? They go on to say, one huge benefit of prayer and fasting is that it empties us in order to be filled. It weakens the flesh in order to be strengthened by the spirit. All right. This seems to indicate that you can get, I guess, some kind of special strength And it comes from prayer and fasting. See, if you fast to the point of weakness, then you get a special strength from the spirit that I guess other people who don't fast don't obtain said strength. So this is a, this is a, I guess, is is this the special presence? See, when you fast, then you get weak. And when you get weak, then you get the special strength. And does that, what does that strength enable you to do compared to people who don't fast? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I figured this out. Let's see the next. The presence, the presence of Christ is attracted to weakness and the practice of moderation strengthens spiritual discipline. This leads to the fullness of the spirit. Remember, I told you in the intro, I told you in the intro that this is coming from Andrew Murray. Remember I said that? Well, now look at this. Look what they say. The very next line here. I quote, this leads to the fullness of the spirit. Andrew Murray once said, only in a life of moderation and self-denial will there be sufficient heart and strength to pray much. I'm not promoting legalism, but I'm promoting moderation. I guarantee you that's probably found in absolute surrender. I, I, I could be wrong, but I bet you it is. I told you this is, this is just basically what they should have said is this, everything we're about to give you comes from uh, Andrew Murray's book, Absolute Surrender, because you can tell, you can just feel it. All right, so let's go through this again. Now, no, the idea is if, you, if we, this is a, 
surrendered presence that they have clearly are putting forth. And we get this surrendered presence and then we get extra power. We, I don't know what we get. We get something, we get strength, we get power. That, that's where the real action and that's where the real ability occurs. So we don't want to hinder that. How do we hinder it? I'm just going to go through this. We hinder this, number one, is if we, in a sense, have two masters. If we don't love God supremely, if, if we don't love God supremely, then we hinder the presence and then we lose the power. So we have to love God above everything else. And if we love God and love money or love God and love the world, then we won't be filled with this special presence and this special power. All right. So that already calls into question anyone and everyone who's even halfway honest with themselves. But there seems to be something else here under this idea. The fullness of the flesh hinders his presence. So I guess what they're saying is your flesh is full when you don't love God supremely. And your flesh is full when you don't fast. The way to weaken the fullness of the flesh is by fasting. Once you fast, then you weaken the fullness of the flesh. Now you can get the fullness of the spirit. Then you can get this special surrendered power or presence. And now you have power and ability. <clears throat> this is crazy, all right? 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians 9. Trying to understand how to live the Christian life by looking at Christian literature. All right, I'm like, there's not 27 verses in 1 Corinthians 9. That's because I'm looking at 2 Corinthians, and I'm like, something has gone horribly wrong here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 reads, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I, my sh- I myself should be a castaway. All right, now this is like, so this is just strange. Like I'm trying to follow this because they're trying to say that you can get this special strength. You can get this special power, but it doesn't appear that you get the strength or power until you reach absolute surrender. But the way you reach absolute surrender is in you, I guess, in your own strength, you have to do things like fast. You have to go without food until you're weakened. Then you get strength. You have to do things like bring your body into subjection. You have to discipline your body. So by you disciplining your body, denying your body, then you surrender. And once you surrender, then you get the strength. Now, I don't know why you need the strength after you surrender, unless you need the strength to maintain the surrender that gave you the strength. But the minute you lose the surrender, you lose the strength. It appears to be a very fragile kind of situation. They read this. Paul said he disciplined his body and brought it under control so that his work would not be hindered. In his Bible commentary, Matthew Henry wrote about the danger of yielding to fleshly desires, pampering the body and its lust and appetites. Commit today to deny something that the flesh is always craving. In essence, you're saying, I'm so desperate to hear from God and to know him that I'm willing to make this sacrifice. And then they go to the next point. So it seems that we hinder the presence of God when we don't when we don't deny, we have to deny the flesh until the flesh is starved or until we become weak. We have to deny the flesh until we become weak. Then in our weakness, we get a strength. So we have to do something in order to get the strength. We have to, 
We have to find the strength to deny ourselves in order to get the strength. That seems to be the kind of the, the way they are describing it. And please note, they say, you have to be desperate to hear from God. Well, I, I look, uh, I, I, here's how I hear from God. I open my Bible and I read it because God is not communicating to me any other way other than through his inspired word. And if he's communicating me outside, if he's communicating with me outside of his word, then his word loses its power and its authority and its place. And so I have something else, which then becomes, well, not sola scriptura, it becomes something else. So I clearly reject this idea outright, but just watch how confusing this is. So let's try to, let's try to break this down. I want to go to the third one here. I want to go to the third one here, but, but I don't, I, I wanted, these episodes are supposed to be just looking at one thing at a time. So that's what we're, what we have done. So let's try to break this down. According to this evangelical concept on the presence of God, if we try to put all of this together, it goes something like this. God is omnipresent. That's wonderful. That's great. Doesn't seem to really do much. Doesn't really seem to mean much. But now we have his indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in us because we're Christians. And according to some sermons, this is where we get power. Now we have the ability to obey. We have the ability to, to keep the law. Uh, however, we're, we're, we can't do it perfectly. So we don't really know exactly what this power is supposed to give us. But it gives us some kind of power, again, depending on the sermon you're listening to. Then there's a special presence. This is different from the omnipresence, and this is different from the indwelling presence. This special presence shows up when the worship service is going the right way, or when the revival service is going the right way, or when you sing the right song, or when you sing a cappella, or when you lower the stage lights, and then boom, feel that. And then now there's the special presence. Now in the special presence, supposedly there is blessing, there's healing, there's all kinds of wonderful things that comes in this special presence, right? So we have the omnipresence. We have an indwelling presence. We have a special presence. And then fourth, we have what is being articulated in this particular article, a surrendered presence. And supposedly what happens in the surrendered presence is you have to, you have to strive and you have to work to weaken yourself. You weaken yourself by fasting, by only loving God supremely, by disciplining your body. And once you bring yourself to a, a point of great weakness, then boom, you get this special surrendered presence. And this special surrendered presence gives you now strength and power that obviously people who don't reach this surrendered level have. So you're a special level. You're, you, you, your Christianity is different. You, you're, you have a different kind of power and presence than just the mere, just because God indwells you, this is a special kind of presence. How convoluted can you make this? And this is just right here in the Christian Post. I mean, this, this is not like some, you know, unknown website. It was well-known I don't know how, how what their traffic is or how many people view it a day, but I mean, this is just like mainstream evangelical Christianity. But they're borrowing from, I'm telling you, they literally took this from the book Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray, which has created a complete confused concept out there that shows up in the evangelical world in different ways, whether they ever reference Andrew Murray or not. So how do you understand all of that? And, 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 and according, according to them, the things that can hinder this surrendered presence are, let's go through them again. Number one is a secret sin. 
And number two, the fullness of the flesh. And the fullness of the flesh can show up. Here's how the fullness of the flesh shows up. When you love something other than God, because you got to love God supremely, it, it seems to show up or it will be present. The only way to get rid of the fullness of the flesh is you have to pray and fast so that you become so weak that you get the strength and you have to discipline your body. Once you do that, then dun, dun, da, da, now you get power. Now you get, I don't know what you get. I don't know exactly how it works. Supposedly, that's how it works. It is amazing how convoluted we can make Christianity. It, It literally is. It's amazing to me that when sometimes you just start considering like if if you'll if you'll just try to keep track of everything Christians are saying because everyone's got their theories and their this is how you have to live the Christian life you need this to live the Christian life you need this you need this you have this ability you have this power you now can do this you now can do this you now can do this and after all of the talk what do we constantly see in the life of believers sin failure struggle discouragement depression despondency deconstruction all the other things that are constantly happening in the lives of people because we get this convoluted sales, it's a sales pitch. Hey, you can have all of this and more. Call now. I, I, I don't even know what this means. It's just words on a page that has no real bearing or ground on not only reality, doesn't really have any bearing or ground on anything meaningful within the theological world. This is just some, I don't know what it is. And and I, I if we and, and and it seems that if I hinder the presence, I hinder the power. But I gotta. But I obviously I don't need the power. I I I have to get the power without having. It's, it's really weird. Like I don't have the power, but I got to do all of these things in order to get the power. So what I have to do is weaken myself until then I can get the power. And then once I get the power, I guess I can turn around and hinder the power. I, I don't know. You would think once I got the power, then the power would keep me from ever hindering it. I don't, it's like, hey, here's how you hinder the power. But really what they should have called this point was, this is how you get the power. I don't know what to say. This is the most convoluted mess I've ever tried to unpack. This is about as convoluted as the stuff we were trying to figure out yesterday and that crazy podcast episode about law and grace. This is just as whacked out and confusing. All right, I'm going to stop here. I want to keep going. I want to look at number three. Number number three is a lack of something. If you lack a certain thing, well, it looks like number two is a lack of something. So I guess there's there's a lot of things you got to do and don't do. There's man, there's like a, a we're going to need a rule book, and th- this rule book just deals with getting this surrendered presence. Th- this rule book it doesn't really apply to the omnipresence, the indwelling presence, or the special presence. This is the surrendered presence. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We will be back live on the air, maybe here shortly, all right? We'll, we'll try to see if we can get another episode in uh, before the internet decides to act up or my iPad runs out of battery. We'll see whichever comes first. All right, thank you for listening. God bless. <laughs>